Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church, and I have a lot of papers because we have a lot of stuff going on this morning with the joining and the baptisms and and the Lord's Supper this morning, and um, it has become somewhat trendy in some churches to to do drama, to have some movie clips and all that kind of stuff. Well, um, when we, Georgia and I talked about moving the uh, joining and the baptism um, to after the sermon, I realized that the Lord is going to give us a little drama to illustrate his gospel this morning. That your closing illustration, if you will, to this sermon which just happens to be about water and blood, will be, you'll see people come, um, as we'll learn, by water and by blood into community and declaring that relationship through Jesus Christ. And so I want you to, uh, to allow that to preach to you this morning as we prepare our hearts and our ears to hear uh, from God's word. Um, and uh, I, uh, this is my last time in John. Uh, Pastor Georgia is going to finish us up next week um, in this book. And um, I, I do, I'm not sure where we're going from here exactly. Um, we normally do a little Christmas thing, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, put that down there. Um, well, John, in his repetitive fashion, um, and if you read this book, you will see that he goes over and over and over the same things. And surprise, in this passage, we find the word love again. Um, and in repetitive fashion and dealing with those who are faking Christianity, uh, faking spirituality, um, the Gnostics, um, spiritualizing their beliefs to the point that relationships and how we act in those relationships don't matter. That they're not as important as our personal or corporately pious spiritual existence. And John is coming back again to say that people who really live in the glory of God's love and of God's grace, they love each other. That they are are so moved by Jesus that they actually love to do things that normal people would find burdensome or dangerous or scandalous or humiliating. And he is saying that they, the believers, proclaim and practice their love for God and each other by the commandments of God. Look with me, if you will, at this passage once again, verses 1 through 3, and we're going to do 1 through 3a. Um, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commandments. This is love for God, to obey his commandments. John is saying, simply put, those who are authentic believers love God. And therefore, they appropriately enough love their daddy, their heavenly father. And in that, they show that the God of the Bible is their father, is their dad. And thus, they prove they are his child. And it follows that believers, therefore, would love those in community with them. They're brothers and sisters who have the same father, which which makes sense as John explains that if we have the same loving father, guess what? We should love each other. 
And that kind of proves that we have the same Father, and that Father God is the loving God of the Bible. But he adds this in the, at the second part of verse 3. Verse 3, this is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. He, he adds this, this is what that love should look like or be measured or guided by. The commandments of God. The commandments. The Ten Commandments, if you will, summarized by love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. But let's take a look at these Ten Commandments. If you have your Bible, you can go to Exodus with me. But I'm going to go there and, and read through these quickly because I think it's important that we go back and see what is John talking about? Why are these commandments so important? What do they really mean? I remember having them on the wall in Sunday school class. But what do they really mean? Hear these Ten Commandments quickly. It says, uh, you shall have no... Now, what I want you to hear before I read them is, is, is you, you see that the, 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 in the first four are descriptive of how to love God. And then the fifth commandment is a bridge between the two. And the last four about our love between each other. Now, hear these commandments. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Um, number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol in form of anything in heaven or on earth uh, below or beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Number three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Number four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Number five, honor your mother and your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Number six, honor, I mean, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Ten, you shall not covet. Your neighbor's house, you shall not covet his wife, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, now, what is what is John saying here? He is saying that, that how do you know you're loving God? And in that loving each other, you do the commandments. You, you, you don't violate the relationships with stuff that stops relationships, like murder, like loving another God. Like lying against someone, like gossiping, like using God's name in a way it should not be used. And then John adds this on top of the commandment thing. In verse 3, again, this is love for God to obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. What is he saying? He's saying true believers, real God knowers, real God lovers... They love to love God and his people through the commandments. It, it, it doesn't feel scary. It doesn't feel dangerous. It doesn't feel fearful. It doesn't feel like it's going to be a failure or demeaning or very demanding. That love for God and each other should be, yes, guided by the commandments, but it should be driven by our love and our desire out of our love for God and each other to do it. We should love the commandments. Of the Lord our God. With all that explanation, I hope that without doing a whole sermon on the Ten Commandments, that, that we see that the commandments 
and the love they call for in, do, in their doing, and the love they call for to do them rightly, is about relationship. As it was given to a group of nomadic people in the desert who, who are just meeting their God for the first time and learning what it means to be the people of God for the first time, the commandments are about community, about fellowship, about right community, about right standing before God and each other, right relationship between God and His people and God's people to each other. They, they instill the very value of God and value of people and to not follow is to not understand or affirm the right value and love God has for his people, for his creation. It's not valuing him and who he is. And then John goes on in verse 4 in description of, of, of God lovers and God uh, God. God's people loving each other. He calls them the born again. Look with me at verse, look with me at verse four. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has, that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Now, now, what he's saying is that, that God's children, here we go again, that authentic believers will be, will, will exist as a, as a worldly protest against any God and human demeaning behavior. Not just a picketing signs or some sort of political power or blogging alone, alone, but with just living and loving in a community where, where God is loved by his commandments and his people love each other by his commandments. As this community lives and loves the world and in the world they live, not only will the love of God survive, it will actually work to rescue a world that is suffering and fear and pain and damage and hopelessness and despair and degradation that God's people will overcome the evil and sin and damage of the world they live in. Okay. With all that said, as a pastor of this church and for what I know about the people in those other churches, of course. I, I wonder how in the world this is possible. What is John actually talking about? John has said and given us the answer to its possibility throughout this passage. And it's this. He is saying, believe in Jesus. That belief in Jesus is the thing that makes and motivates our love for God and each other. Read with me verse 6 through 8. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water alone, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. In, in agreement, we accept man's testimony. But God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God, which is he has given about his Son. Now, water and blood are Old Testament allusions. 
Um, that, that, that when that community we talked about that, that first got the, the, the commandments, uh, that, that when they messed up or they got messed up, God used two kinds of physical things to make them right, to show how he would make them right. The water and blood. Water was, as you guessed, and I hope most of you still recognize, water is a cleansing agent. And, and, and back then, if, if you had a scab or, or, or an open wound or, 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 or some sort of a skin problem or even dandruff, some sort of possibly communicable, community dirtying thing, you could not be in community. You had to go to the outskirts. You had to get away. It could kill or infect the whole community. They would even quarantine people away from the camp until they could be cleared. And often in conjunction with the priest, who were the pastors and the center of disease control for the community, after they looked at the scab and said, this is clean, this is healed, oftentimes in conjunction with that, to clear you, to, to go and be with people, they would ask that you be washed, baptized. Cleared as okay to be a member of the community again. From time to time throughout the Old Testament and in the beginning of the New Testament, Jesus came, we saw baptisms as a right to return to community, to repent for your dirtiness, to be okay to be joined with God's people again. Now, if you broke one of those commandments things were a little rougher. Because remember, they stood for the value of each other. They stood for the value of God and the bond between one another. So, So something had to die. Something had to take the offense away, to suffer for the inflicted pain of the offense. To, to Here's a word to learn, to atone for the crime. The offense, now, now the sacrifices and, and call for bloodshed varied. Some people brought bulls, some people brought lambs, and for those who couldn't afford it, birds. Uh, but, but they would bring the best. It was like giving up your car. It was like giving up your house or something. But but at times, the crime demanded the death of the person. If you murdered someone, capital punishment was required. And sometimes if you were found with some idols in your tent beside God, it, it might be that you and your idol-worshipping family would die. It did what it was supposed to do. To value the holiness, the, the sheer God-given dignity and worth of who they were and what they had become in God's calling them His people. Water and blood kept and valued community between God and his people and his people and each other. Water and blood. John says here, Jesus came by water and blood. Now, two things here I want you to see. Number one. We see that, that, that Jesus, uh, when he came to earth, he, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And, and it's not the same John that, that wrote this epistle here. And, 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 and what happens is John, Jesus comes up to John and, and John says, Jesus says, I must be baptized. And John said, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, I must do it to fulfill the law. And when Jesus was baptized by John, it, it was saying, Jesus was like, I am, I am, I am acquainting myself with the dirtiness of 
humanity. No, I am not dirty. Yes, I am perfect. But I am saying I am connecting myself with the repentant community of God. I want to be in a substitutionary fashion. I want to be cleansed too. We see also in, of course, the life of Jesus, the death on the cross, that, that Jesus came in, in the blood, the cross sacrifice of Jesus in obedience to God. He died for our sins, for a world of sins, for sins as people know or don't know they're committing, but guilty nevertheless. Blood was shed. Jesus came by the blood and the water. In his coming, he was admitted as our Savior. As a savior of humankind because he gained reconciliation between humankind and God. Jesus, like an authentic child of God, he loved the children of God and he loved God, water and blood. And now John is teaching that Jesusites, so-called God-knowers, children of God are now called to do to live in a world of life, of water and blood, a life of community monitored and motivated by what God has said love was. To love him and love others by the commandments. Water and blood is authentic Christianity at work. But herein is the problem. Let's think about what it really means here. The water means that we are cleansed of our sin damage. That that you and I can be trusted to be next to each other. That you can trust me to care for you. You're saying you can actually... Authentic community says, I won't damage you. I won't deceive you. I have no hidden diseases that, that you can have relationship with me. You don't need protection or protect yourself from me. I am clean. I will not infect you with my sin. And I, I don't have any communicable sin disease, emotional or, or spiritual or, or physical damage from abuse of others. It's not affecting me. I am free to live with God's people. To as verse 1 says, I am free to love my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I have searched all that is dirty in me or dirty to our community and fellowship. I have counseled enough. I've been in enough Bible studies. I have studied enough or or I've so hidden and put behind the fence the issues in me that would hurt you. You can trust me to love you. If you think or believe that, in and of yourself doing it, you lie. You deceive yourself. Kelly and I l- like listening to John Legend a lot. And on this first album, he's got this song called I Can Change. And, and, and the rapper on this album is Snoop Dogg, right? It, 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 of all people. To talk about I can change. And and, and Snoop is kind of rapping and he's saying, trying to convince this girl of his love, baby, I can change. You know, I've given up my pimp ways for you. I'm trading in the Cadillacs and the furs and and any other woman. I I can I can do it, baby. I'm bona fide. This this is real. You know, I I can change. And when he says I can change, just by the way his mouth says it, Kelly and I, we just break out laughing. You're like, a pimp today and then tonight or tomorrow, 
You a clean, caring companion? <laughs> Come on, y'all. <laughs> when we say yes, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm so clean. I can be trusted to be in community with you. We sound like that. I can change. I'm better, y'all. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm different. And, and, and it's, we are not so clean. It's almost like we can laugh at each other. You don't have enough protections or protections to suppress the sin disease that you got when you were abused or treated like dirt by someone else or the family environment you were raised in or even the church background you're from. Man, you and I are pretty dirty. Me and you together, we will burn. I mean, not burn in a, in a good way because I will burn you and you will burn me. If all I can bring to the relationship is my own ability, Ability to make it work, to make us have authentic community, we lie. We deceive ourselves. I'm going to tell you today, if, if, if the people that are coming to make vows or those of you who have made vows to be members of God's church are thinking that you are going to somehow pretend or suppress enough of your dirtiness, enough to be loved by you, by, by me, or, or for you to love you, for you to love me and God, the vows are, are not taken rightly. And don't get me wrong. Maybe some of you vowed or vowed in ignorance about what you thought living in community was about. Some of us married folk. You know when you took the marriage vows? Man, I went to a wedding last night. It's just so beautiful. I promise to love you through want and through need. Here comes Snoop Dogg again. I can change. And you get in that thing. Woo, boy, when you've been dating, man, all you see is the clean person, the fixed up person, the perfume person, you know? And then you get in that real relationship. My Lord, where'd the vows go? And, and, and need, and much and in want, right? Let some bank account thing get messed up. What did you do? What did you get? Love goes out the window when the bank account go down. Because somebody went and got something without telling somebody else. Baby, you're supposed to love me for better or for worse. So after raking the yard, you know, I'm real tired. I don't feel like taking no shower. Kelly, uh-uh, you didn't get in this bed like that. You can take a shower first. What happened to love, baby? Love. And she's saying, what happened to love? Go wash. Go clean yourself. Church membership vows aren't much different. We say, I can be trusted. I vow to love you through better and for worse and be loved better and for worse. And that blood thing, the repentant life we are called to, to say sorry to God, and resolve to do it no more? What I'm describing as a justified life, a light that life that stands right before God and others that you may have sinned against? How can I describe it? In my obedience to the commandment, I have made reconciliation. Let me tell you what it means when you obey the commandment. You have made reconciliation or, or when you repent from the commandment. It means you have made reconciliation and payment 
that will not only take away and, and, and take away the damage, it will actually heal the damage that, that I may have done for the rest of your life in this area. And I will even take care of it in a way, in the way it affects on you and your children and your children's children. It, it is saying my works of repentance, my actions will bring restoration to the ways you have been demeaned and broken. In the sacrificial parallel of the Old Testament items, I heard somebody say this, and I think it's, I think it's a great way to think about it, that, that, that it would mean something like this. You know, I really sinned against you, brother. Here's the keys to the Honda Odyssey. My family and I, we're going to take the bus. I've stolen. I, you know, I, I did wrong by my community. I took more than I should and I schemed, I lied, I, I didn't say everything right on my taxes, so let me go to the bank and give you my kids college tuition. They can work or don't go to school. All that security of savings, that's got to go too. Or, 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 or the most extreme. And God, you up there to give you honor and glory, to worship you in my failing to not love other gods and, 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 and not love people around me, to relift you, God, up and against a world that drags you through the mud. When we join in at times with a world that hates him and blames him and curses him, blood, repentance, and right relationship says this. I am happy. Remember the love? thing it's not burdensome i am happy and willing to give up my life my cute little children's life my spouse's life you know why lord because the wages of sin is death and in that lord you get glory and praise and honor Because you are holy, holy, holy. Blood repentance. If you say you live according to blood testimony repentance and loving God and others, and that sort, that power of repentance, if you are thinking you live life right and well, good enough for even the sinful people around you, much less a holy God, You deceive yourself. There is a verse in the Bible that says you have not yet resisted sin. You've not yet resisted undignified or unloving behavior and actions toward each other to the point of bloodshed. And the inference is this. You won't and you don't do it. You can't pay for the repentance required for you to have the community that John is calling authentic believers to. It makes us think, hey, what we going to see up here today with these vows and what we see in these folk that already took vows. Some of us are looking from the outside thinking those claiming to be living authentic community and faith are playing a game. They just join up into another club. And, and they can't and, and keeps those who aren't so-called believers to keep us away. You know why we can't take the pressure of that kind of stuff. 
Half of us, we can't commit to any kind of relationship or any kind of thing because it's too much pressure. As a matter of fact, that's why some of us have what you've experienced in church or from church people or from or, or, or the Bible pressure and weight and fear of, of trying to be right, of being good enough to be part of the church, to being part of the community, to doing enough bloodshed, to washing enough in the water, to dipping not seven times, you've got to go down 14 times. To, to, to just, just can't be a part of this. Or I'll be a part of this body, but I'm going to fake my way through because it ain't real. John says this in verse 9 through 12. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is a testimony of God, which is he has given about his son. Anyone who believes in the son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I was talking about the witness of man here, this, this, that, that, that by your works only that you can see, and, and this is what John is attacking, that I can show my own acted out spirituality, that I deserve to be in this community, that I am in this community of faith, I'm super spiritual, I'm acting like, I, I'm acting like I do right, or looking like I'm doing right. That's nice, John is saying, but it's not good enough. If you're simply going through the motions, or think you can go through the motions to be authentic community, John is saying you make God out to be a liar because his community has never been about your ability to fit in or your ability to make it work or your ability to make the water and blood in your own life connect you to God and his people. Not that works aren't important, but you need something that makes you what you are not. You need something that gives you the community that you can't make for yourself. You need something that grants you the love you can't get or receive or offer. Because you can't be sure that the, 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 the loving God or loving others rightly or stand in relationship with this child, you're, you're not sure you can do that alone. You can't do it on personal people perception alone. John is saying what you hear today. You and I need Jesus. The Spirit says, this is the Son of God. The one who comes to save. His connection with the water and blood says, He has come to cleanse us for community. That His blood sacrifice says He has come to forgive our sins and make us right before God in relationship with Him. Jesus is the key. He is the gold nugget. He is a secret ingredient that takes people who are pretending to be believers to being people who are authentic believers. John is saying this, he, Jesus, must be believed and accepted as Savior alone or we don't have life. We don't have communal, real, free, trusted life. Listen, the scripture is freeing you and me. We don't need to lie to be an authentic community. You don't need to pretend like you're good. 
You don't need to go through some some ceremonial ritual to, to, to prove that you're good enough to, to be in. We begin by expressing our inability to live a repentant and blood and water life and admitting we need the blood and water that flowed from the side of Jesus. That we need to act and move and live in this fact. Jesus came to reconcile me to and make me part of the people of God only because of his sacrifice. The blood and water earned sacrifice of Jesus. That alone has made me a child of God. Thus it all falls in place from the very beginning. He said it clearly that he or she that is born of God is the one who believes in Jesus. It means that we have gained the life that Jesus gives to us to live as unclean sinners in a community of holiness and grace. You see what John is saying, Jesus makes, it sings that Jesus makes a relationship we can't in reconciling us to God and to each other. Jesus is and gives that forgiveness we can't be. He is and gives that protection that we can't be. Being the healer we can't be. Paying back all the damage we have received. And and He gives it. He actually gives you the relationship you have failed to get for yourself. He gives you community with God. And now in the church where you are changed and made better and receive grace and, and understand eternal life. When He did it on earth, He did it for those of us who are His that would live on earth. He paid for it. By water and blood. And now we join this church. Becoming part of a fellowship publicly. Agreeing to commit and care for each other. And be cared for. Let me clear up what you think you might see. These people are not coming saying, we have done what it takes. And vowed. So they are in. No, what we believe in, when we were saying, we, they're saying we believe Jesus has vowed and done and given me relationships that will change me eternally that I have not and cannot get or keep or sustain for myself. We have a question in there that says this. Do you promise in humble reliance upon the grace of God that you endeavor to become followers of Jesus Christ? And, and again, it's get, what is, what's the key here? I promise in humble reliance upon the grace. I need Jesus. Community is only done and continued by faith in Jesus. Community is not faith in people to be good or nice or clean to each other. But John is saying only as he gives us a drink of his water and his blood. To take it in, to to, to experience unconditional love, to taste his forgiveness, to drink of his forgiveness, to drink in the Holy Spirit, to come God, to have God come into us, to have love live in us, to have love make us have joy, to do and believe we can do what we must, to trust, to love, to give, to sacrifice, to love, to love God and love each other. And we only do so as we've experienced The blood and water of Jesus in our lives. A few years ago, 
well, about four years ago, Giorgio called me. Why you call me, man? We gonna do we, we really wanna do this church, man. You know. We're gonna have this eclectic community thing. Oh, that was my term? Oh, great. What was I thinking? I mean, come on. You, you got the you got the black boy from low country from Charleston, South Carolina. You got the white Hawaiian Italian boy. Starting to sound like a bad joke. Just We're going to do this multi-ethnic thing in, in Charlotte. You know, we're going to do it in the Bible Belt. Yeah. Nice and good to race issues. You know, the Bible Belt, you know. Always led the way when it came to those things. Anyway, so I'm like, wait a minute. He, he visionary, I'm visionary. He, he pretty well trained, I'm pretty well trained. We both smart. That's a bad idea. I look around, I'm like, this is a bad idea. I mean, Giorgio's more of a pursuer, I'm more of a runner. He's more of a revealer, I'm more of a hider. I, this is a bad idea. And we're going to kind of build this church's relationships based on even our relationship. What a bad idea, man. What were you thinking? We were thinking we would name the church Christ Central Church. Because we realize that it is a bad idea. Marriage is a bad idea in and of itself. Them friends sitting beside you? Bad idea, y'all. Joining this church today? Not too smart. <laughs> I just can't imagine the amount of burden that you must think when you feel when you, you take those vows. Bad idea. You know, I can't think though of a more scandalous and morally dangerous thing than to say this. See all these sinners? Now, look in the Bible and you see this holy and morally expensive God. And then the commandments that will just magnify God's holiness and magnify your sinfulness. Bring your life, bring your burns, bring your blurs, bring your issues. Come on in and let's make it work. Bad idea. Dangerous. Potentially burdensome. Scandalous. This is what the gospel calls us to and empowers us to. Community between sinners with a holy God. And at face value, I agree, we should walk away. Or if you want to be a part, just, just pretend and go through the motions and get some acceptance. It's a bad idea unless Jesus, the real stuff, the, the good stuff we could find or pay for ourselves, bring God in relationship with sinners and sinners in turn and right relationship with each other. That you will love God and others and love to love others and God. God gives us eternal life. He makes a bad idea good news. Because he sends Jesus to cleanse us, to forgive us our sins, to empower us, to free us, to love God 
and love each other. God is calling us to his water and his blood. He's calling us, you believers, to quit pretending and repent and stand in confidence in Jesus alone. And he's calling those who don't claim their need for Jesus to do so. To say, Lord, I don't have what it takes to please you. I don't have what it takes to be in this church and not be rejected. I need Jesus to take my sins and be my righteousness. So I can have a relationship with you, God, in the community that would love me. Water and blood. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news. Jesus came to be a friend of sinners. We don't even have a slight possibility of being a community that we need so badly. Lest Jesus came and we stand in him. Help us, Lord, as we come to take our vows. As we as a congregation even renew our vows again as new people come in that we are called to love and care for. But let us look to Jesus. The one who is our repentance. The one who is our cleanser in the midst of this community. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.